Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Wyoming. I'm Mark Hamilton, your host, and today we'll talk about that dreaded weather. It is back. We'll also look at some early hunting abuses here in the state of Wyoming. Boy, it did get out of hand. And finally, we'll talk about a man and his dog. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the show. Taking a look at Wyoming weather here on the 11th day of January. And probably wherever you're living in the U.S. right now, you're probably having similar crummy weather. I just, my thought is it's back. Our weather's back. We were had a great December. And reading today from a warning from the National Weather Service for our general area, they have wind chill warning in effect from 2 p.m. Friday, which would be the 12th, to 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time on Sunday. So more or less majority of the weekend. What we're going to see, dangerous cold wind chills expected. Wind chills from 25 below to 35 below. And when you get into those situations, that's not good. And of course, they're talking about portions of central, north central, and northwest Wyoming, which Hot Springs County is part of. And the impact, the dangerous cold wind chills could cause frostbite on exposed skin in as little as 10 minutes. Outside activities should be avoided if possible. When outside, make sure to wear appropriate clothing, hat, and gloves. And when you have a wind chill like that, a hat and the gloves, your face is exposed. And that's the part with your nose and, and those areas that you can really get into a lot of trouble. And frostbite is something that is pretty dangerous. The conditions that happens, and it, for a lot of people, it can happen pretty quick if you're not prepared. So we're like everywhere in the United States right now. I look at the weather map and snow and cold and so I don't feel so bad sharing this but we're looking at some pretty pretty crummy weather coming up for the weekend right now here in Hot Springs County it's 14 degrees so we had snow on Sunday night and then we had snow last night on Wednesday night so we probably got a close to 10 to 12 inches on the ground and it's really powdery snow so if we get any type of winds it's going to drift up and I can remember this time last year, we had snow on the ground, and it drifted, and I tell you what, it was unbelievable. The drifts got drift out our one entrance into our house, and the conditions were just miserable. So right now, 50% chance of snow on Friday, 40% on Friday night. Then they got the picture of a person in there walking outside with cold, cold, and cold. We're looking at temperatures uh, tonight on Thursday night, 3 below. High on Friday, 1 degree. 21 below overnight. Saturday, the high is going to get to a balmy minus 3. Saturday night, 19 below. And Sunday, a warming trend will be at 4. With negative 12 overnight on Sunday. Getting into Martin Luther King Day. Things are starting to pick up a little bit. We get a high of 4. Only 9 below overnight then. And then on Tuesday... We start to see a warming trend, 23, 10 overnight. And by Wednesday, of course, a chance of snow showers, partly sunny with a high near 35. So 
winter is back. And I, I feel sorry for a lot of people might not have the best insulation and best heating system in their homes. Just hope those people can stay safe. It doesn't take long to get pretty pretty bad and freeze water and have all kinds of other issues. Animals. Man, if you got animals, you just can't leave them out there in, in the backyard tied up to a chain or outside. They've got the same conditions. you got to let those dogs get them into somewhere where they're out of the weather. Of course, my dogs, it's not a question. They're in the house and spoiled rotten, but asking for more covers. But take care of the animals. And I always feel sorry for the livestock producers. I did see somewhere that was comment was saying, well, the livestock producers will be open this weekend. You have to get out and get feed to those animals. Make sure that they have water. Water is just really important, depending on what you have for a water system. If you have a creek nearby or a, some type of running water, it usually stays open, but there's always that chance it could freeze up. Reservoirs will freeze up, and so you're out breaking ice, trying to get ice broke and get those animals that water. That, that's a really vital. And right now we talked about our open conditions with hay crop. This is when you start having to put some extra feed to those animals. So it'll be a little bit of a trying time, but with that, Temperature looking like it's going to moderate a little bit. We'll see what happens middle of next week. Hopefully we'll get a little bit of a break. And then we'll see what happens from there. So Wyoming, weather is definitely winter. It's back. Bundle up. Stay out of it if you can. And also remember when you're driving, if you don't have to go anywhere this weekend, don't go. Those aren't good conditions to be driving in a vehicle, especially if something happens to your vehicle and you're stuck in it. If you have to travel, make sure you got the right provisions in your vehicle. Make sure you take warm clothing in there for everyone. Have some water and, and something to eat, some way that you can survive if you do break down. Remember, don't leave your vehicle. Stay in the vehicle. People think they can walk and find some help. And you get out with these type of conditions, and especially if the wind starts blowing, you can get into some ground blizzards and and you're lost, and suddenly you're in a snowbank, and before you know it, you're a goner. So stay safe, everyone, wherever you are here in the state of Wyoming and across the U.S., where all of our listeners are from. Just stay and put another log on the fire. Today we want to look at a story from wildhistory.org. From slaughter to law, Wyoming protects big game slowly. And this was done by Kim Viner. Most who know about the history of the American frontier are familiar with the demise of the buffalo. By the mid-1880s, herds that had once numbered in the millions on the Great Plains were mostly wiped out. Twenty years later, a slimmer fate was facing deer, elk, and especially antelope in Wyoming. People only slowly came to understand their role in these disasters and their minds when it came to protecting big game, we were slow to change. Early efforts by the Wyoming legislature to stem the slaughter were largely ineffective. What follows is an account how the state came around to protecting its big game herds in ways that allowed them to thrive. When Wyoming, not yet a territory, was still subject to Dakota territory laws, lawmakers took a minor step to protect at least some game animals. In 1886, the Dakota legislature passed a law limiting hunting on private land 
to the owner. This had little impact on the future Wyoming Territory because so little land was privately owned when the territory was first established, on paper at least, until 1868. Dakota's legislative attempts at control was likely a response to a large-scale commercial hunting. Newspaper accounts in early 1868 noted Mr. S. Petty was ready to ship 3,000 deer, elk, and antelope heads to eastern markets from Platte Crossing on the Overland Trail, where it crossed the North Platte River south of the brand new town of Rollins. He employed 13 hunters who killed an average of 28 animals each day. That year, the Union Pacific Railroad was under construction. J.J. Hunt, operating out of Fort Still, reported he had killed 900 elk and antelope in the winter of 1868-69. to The first Wyoming Territory Legislature Assembly did pass a law on December 1, 1869, providing limited added protection. It became illegal for any person to offer for sale any elk, deer, antelope, or mountain sheep between February and August. The law imposed a fine of $50 for any violation. But there was no specific enforcement mechanism and the law did little to stop wanton killing, mainly for hides and meat by commercial hunters. Laramie Sentinel editor James Hayford complained in early 1870 that loads upon loads of deer, elk, and antelope were being brought into town, and much of the meat was wasted in a saturated market. The Sentinel noted in November of 1874 that Englishmen were in town and fitting out a hunting expedition around Laramie, to put in a month or two of slaughtering game. Similarly, Wyoming residents also engaged in pleasure hunting, killing large numbers of buffalo and antelope in a single outing. The Cheyenne paper reported on a hunting party in October of 1875 that killed a carload of game and that two men in the party killed 40 to 50 antelope. In response to these events, the 1875 legislature amended the territorial game laws it closed hunting for deer, elk, and mountain sheep and antelope from January 15th to August 15th. Law also prohibited the wasting of any part of the animal taken during the open season and required that game be killed for food purposes only. However, as in 1869, no formal enforcement mechanism was provided. The lack of enforcement was evident the next year when the Sentinel reported that a party of hunters were south of town slaughtering antelope for their hides. Prominent Laramie men also killed large number of game animals. The Cheyenne Sun noted in September of 1877 that prominent local merchant Otto Graham returned to Laramie after having committed immense slaughter among elk and deer. In 1878, Graham was also added again along with banker Edward Iverson, Lewis Miller, and William Root, who returned to town from a hunt on which they killed loads of game. The effect on the game herds, especially by the hide and meat hunters, eventually prompted citizens to take a stand against the overhunting. The November 18, 1881 Laramie Sentinel voiced their sentiments clearly, noting that there was a growing conviction that something needed to be done. The paper called on the legislature to take up the issue. Likely written by Editor Hayford, the article notes, if our laws for the protection of game are not sufficient for the purposes, right now is the time to call the attention to our legislators to its defects and have them remedy it. 
It also demanded the laws be enforced and violators punished. Early the next year, the Cheyenne leader printed a similar column. It aimed specifically at men who had come up from Texas and were killing game only for their hides. These hide grubbers, as the paper called them, could be stopped, the paper claimed, by prohibiting the sale or purchase of any untanned hides of deer and elk. The Carbon County Journal followed suit, placing most of the blame on the skin hunters, but also drew attention to the number of Englishmen who were killing large number of game, apparently for sport. Additionally, it called for the game wardens to be hired to enforce the game laws. All three papers noted that Wyoming sportsmen were not to blame as they tended to kill only bucks and bulls, allowing the herd to replenish naturally. Those efforts bore only limited fruit in the legislative next session. On October 9, 1882, the legislature passed an act that made a major revision to the hunting season, limiting it to August 1st to November 15th. Additionally, the purchase of untanned hides was prohibited, yet no limits were set on the number of animals that could be killed for personal consumption, and no steps were taken towards enforcement. The following year, Wyoming hunters made an abortive effort to band together to stop the slaughter. On March 1st of 1883, the Laramie Boomerang reported that a group of men had formed the Laramie Game Protection Association of Wyoming Territory. A similar association was formed in Cheyenne. This group published a letter from the governor of Montana to its president, area rancher Harry Ulrich, called for the protection of game in Yellowstone. Neither association, unfortunately, appeared to have taken concrete steps beyond initial organization. The killing continued unabated. In November of that same year, the Lamry Boomerang noted that three market hunters killed three ton of elk in the northern Laramie Range and two others killed an additional 5,000 pounds in the Medicine Bow Mountains, and that elk only. The total did not include deer and antelope they also killed. Meanwhile, newspapers in both Laramie and Cheyenne continued to carry grocery store ads offering game for sale. The situation continued to worsen. In October of 1885, the Laramie Boomerang issued another call for better game protection laws, noting that a legitimate hunt is a good thing, and after criticizing height hunters, the article concluded, It will be but a short time until the bear, the deer, and the antelope will disappear, as has happened to the buffalo, unless some steps are taken to prevent a wholesale slaughter, which is now the rule. When the legislature convened in January of 1886, its members took three important steps. First, no non-resident of the territory could hunt any game at any time. Second, hunters were finally required to limit the number of animals they killed. Although still high at two per day, at least it was a start. Finally, a former mechanism for enforcement was also instituted. County stock detectives authorized beginning in 1873 were the first designated game detectives and empowered to enforce game laws. But having along the books does not necessarily convert to action. A search of newspapers lists a George Lambert as Albany County's stock detective at the time, though it is unclear how or even if he exercised his new authority. No reports of violation or arrests are to be found. In fact, newspaper accounts from far western Albany County in January of 1887 noted that large numbers of game animals were still being killed and sent to markets in Laramie. Similarly, the new legal open season for hunting, September 1st to January 1st, was ignored when it was reported that two Laramie men killed six antelope in July with no repercussions. 
blatant violations appear to have been common. In June of 1888, the Saratoga paper noted elk, deer, and antelope can be killed within 20 miles of Saratoga in any quantities desired. Antelope were especially vulnerable. The Laramie Boomerang reported in October of 1888 that a group of hunters killed 100 antelope. Worse, the paper also reported that the men only kept the saddle meat, the part of the animal corresponding to where a saddle covers a horse. The rest was left to rot. The 1890 legislature enacted further limits on the number of large game animal hunters could kill. A limit of three per week replaced the earlier two-per-day number. Buffalo hunting was also suspended for 10 years, even though there were no buffalo to hunt. Additionally, the legislature removed the authority of stock detectives to enforce game law and instead empowered any county constable to do so. This theoretically increased the likelihood of punishing hunters for game violations. At the time, there was one stock detective in Albany County and 20 elected constables. As earlier, however, there is little of no evidence of enforcement at the time. Finally, in 1895, some important changes occurred. The state fish commissioner was also designated to be the state game warden and given the authority to arrest without warrant anyone violating state game laws. Legislature also allowed for the appointment of deputy game wardens. The prohibition on hunting buffalo was extended until 1905. Non-residents were again allowed to hunt in the state, but first they had to buy a hunting license from the Justice of the Peace in the county where they would hunt. The hunting season was shortened to September through November, and the law allowed the killing of only male animals. The first reported arrest for a violation occurred in October of 1897 when Deputy Game Warden Joseph Nelson arrested a Chicago man for killing an elk in Uinta County without a license. In 1899, the first Game Warden, Albert Nelson, was appointed separately from the Fish Commissioner. According to the Wyoming Game Wardens Association, his salary was set at $1,200 per year, from which he had to pay $3 per day to a deputy state Gorm Warden. Despite the new rules and their enforcement, the situation continued to deteriorate into the early 1900s. The state legislature finally got serious about protecting game. In 1903, all persons hunting in the state were required to purchase a hunting license. The legislature passed additional restrictive laws in 1909. The hunting of antelope was prohibited for six years and elk and moose for three. The latter could only be hunted in the northern part of the state. When the season opened, moose hunting was further restricted from September 25th to November 30th. The situation for antelope was especially dire. In 1906, officials estimated pronghorn numbers at only 2,000, their lowest level ever. By 1908, the number was up to 4,000, with 2,000 of those in Yellowstone National Park. The restrictions achieved the intended result. Herds began to increase slowly. Antelope were a marked success. By 1924, their population was estimated at 7,000 head, but it was becoming clearer that the competition from sheep and cattle for forage on the ranges was limiting antelope recovery. In 1927, an antelope season was opened for the first time in decades. Two years later, when hunters harvested more than 6,500, leaving a herd of 26,625, the New York Times decried the hunt as a slaughter, comparing it to the slaughter of the buffalo. In early 1930s, the state again closed the season for three years and opened it again mid-decade. By 1957, state estimates 
put the herd at 100,000, and the numbers have continued to rise to approximately 400,000 today. Great strides have been made in Wyoming since those early days. Big game in Wyoming is now skillfully managed by the Wyoming Game and Fish Commission with the laws enforced by about 90 dedicated game wardens. Environmental impacts such as wasting disease and drought still impact game herds in Wyoming, and herd sizes are managed accordingly. And this controlled hunting is economically important to Wyoming. Spending by both residents and non-residents contributes about $3 million to the state's economy each year and supports more than 3,000 jobs. Uh, what a good story. And you just look back at our early years and the stuff that we did. I've talked on other shows about the buffalo, and people know the history of the buffalo herds being this wiped out. And the people at the time, it's just amazing that they that so much waste was going on that they felt that was a sport going out and shooting a 40 or 50 animals. I guess we've come a long way. And we'd like to take the opportunity to thank all of our game wardens here in the state of Wyoming for all you do for our state. And finally today, I wanted to share a story that I had saw. The author was unknown, being the dog lover I am. When I'm old and I will wear soft gray sweatshirts and a bandana over my silver hair, and I will spend my social security checks on my dogs. I will sit in my house on my well-worn chair and listen to my dogs breathing. I will sneak out in the middle of a warm summer night and take my dogs for a run if my old bones will allow. When people come to call, I will smile and nod as they show them my dogs and talk of them and about them, the ones so beloved of the past and the ones so beloved of today. I will still work hard, cleaning after them, mopping and feeding them, and whispering their names in a lot soft, loving way. I will wear the gleaming sweat on my throat like a jewel, and I will be embarrassment to all, especially my family, who have not yet found the peace in being free to have dogs as your best friends. These friends who always wait at any hour for your footfall and eagerly jump to their feet out of the sound sleep to greet you as if you were a god and with warm eyes full of adoring love and hope that you will always stay. I'll hug their strong necks, I'll kiss their dear sweet heads and whisper in they're a very special company. I look in the mirror and see I'm getting old. This is the kind of person I am and have always been. Loving dogs is easy. They are part of me. Please accept me for who I am. My dogs appreciate my presence in their lives. They love my presence in their lives. When I'm old, this will be important to me. You will understand. When you're old, if you have dogs to love also. Just another great story about man's best friend, and I hope you have your own best friend or friends at home that are helping you or taking care of you, and you're taking care of them. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy our podcast. As per the Code of the West, we ride for the brand, and we ride for Wyoming. 